Blue Wire Podcast. Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland on the OBR Streaming Network with Twitch and YouTube. Glad to see you there as everyone is filing into the greatest chat in all the land. Uh, here on uh, Thursday night, thank you for, uh, you know, dealing with my hectic schedule that has me bouncing from Tuesdays to Thursdays and back and forth. And uh, so uh, here we are. But we've got a fantastic guest and a great show planned as we did a little mailbag today. Thank you for those of you that participated. Uh, and uh, somebody's going to win a T-shirt. How about that? It's T-shirt time. But before we do that, let's bring in our guest. You know him uh, well, uh, Jared Mueller, producer at SB Nation's Dogs by Nature. What is up, Jared? What's long happening, time, Mr. Ward? Long time, brother. First time, long time. Long time, many times. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Uh, what's, uh, what is uh, going on? The air quality is porous, to say the least. Yeah, and when, uh, you, when you have asthma, it doesn't, it doesn't play with you real well, right? Not great. <laughs> it's not great. It's, for, uh, it's poor. It was worse yesterday, at least where I was. You know, it was worse yesterday. A little bit better here this evening. Uh, not great, though, uh, in general. You can't really – I can't see the smoke anymore. Can, can you see it still? A little bit. We just got some rain down, uh, down here, so that, that helps a little clear away, but – Seems like this is going to be something based on uh, the plan up in Canada. This is something we're going to basically deal with until winter hits up there. So uh, yeah. it's just getting used to it, getting ready for it, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, thanks to Kevin uh, Cycle18 for subscribing for 22 months in a row. Wow, Kevin. That's like two years. That is. That's fantastic. Great math. Carry the two. Yeah, it's close. It's close. By the time the season starts, basically, right? Two yeah, years. yep, yep, yep. Uh, good to see everybody uh, joining here. Let's uh, let's get into a couple things, and then we have some some great mailbag questions uh, tonight. Um, but earlier this week, and, and nobody even uh, really even reacted to my tweet, which is usually I get somebody firing back or something. But uh, Ken and Lima went into a, uh, a 92.3 in the mornings, uh, went into a diatribe of sorts about extending one Nick Chubb uh, before the season, uh, Jared. And uh, I find this, and I told ken this you know uh but <laughs> this is know. this is lunacy to me uh so I, I don't understand i don't think he's gonna hold out uh he's not gonna hold in uh, i can't imagine chubb doing that uh i why would you extend a running back unless you have to or, or your hand is forced until you really have to which would be after the season prior to free agency you know, I think basically what he was looking at is if you go to over the over the cap, it says zero guaranteed salary for next year. And so I think right. the, the, the thought is that Nick Chubb would want to hold out, which doesn't make any sense as a running back. The fact that he got a contract point blank, got a contract and could could is the key word, but possible that he is going to earn the entire thirty six million or whatever the grand yeah. total of it is. 41, I'm sorry, somewhere in the 41 area. The fact that he's going to earn all of that, most likely, that is a win for a running back nowadays. You know, yeah. we've seen with Dalvin Cook, um, Saquon Barkley can't get anything but the franchise tag right now, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, the Todd Gurley's of the world. There have been so many examples of running backs that get money up front and looks like a big contract, and they don't see how. So I get where he's coming from, that normal players – might hold out, but the reality is, is running backs and a player like Chubb, I just don't see that as a possibility. Yeah, I don't see it either. Uh, and I definitely, you know, listen, this offense is going to change. And uh, that's one of the questions we have in our mailbag later. But, you know, this offense is going to change. And until I see him in this offense and what kind of touches they want to give him, 
what kind of game scripts he sees. Like if, you know, if they see a lot of game scripts shared where they're winning, he could see his 20, 25 touches, right? Fourth quarter, right. stuff like that. Uh, but I also could see shootouts where he sees 12 to 15. Um, and if that's the case, then they're going to have to think long and hard about the out that they have after this year. So I, I think that's a reality. And uh, I, I wouldn't want to be extending anyone until I necessarily uh, had my hand forced, as you kind of alluded to as well. So, Well, and I think it's interesting. Mary Kay reported that basically the Browns, he's going to get his touches. He just might get them in different ways. And so I, I think it'll be interesting to see. I think Nick Chubb is a, a fine receiver. I don't think he's an adjust to the ball receiver. I don't think he's a guy. I think he's a guy you got to get the ball to pretty much in motion, all of that kind of stuff. And I also don't think Deshaun Watson is a drop it down to his running backs kind of guy. If he's going to do that, he might as well run the ball quite often as well. So I think it'll just be interesting if he really does get to that 300 and some, you know, 350, 360 total touches because you got Jerome Ford and Felton, right? John Kelly. You Right now it's Nick Chubb and the hope of Jerome Ford looking good as a running back similar to we got some excitement of him as a kick returner. So you sound a little hesitant there. Uh, I kind of get the feeling that at least up to this point, I've kind of thought they're going to give Ford every opportunity to win the running back too. My concern would be more at your depth, like Felton, right? Right. Uh, that's where my concern is. So if, like if you were going to think about bringing in a veteran, maybe at running back or something, it would be to, I would give, I think they would give Ford first dibs or shot at that job. And then maybe Felton might be the odd man out where you stand with that. Yeah. I think in the end there will be a veteran that'll come kind of shake loose or just make sense for them. Uh, Ford will get the chance, but I think the Browns and every competitive team have to think of their backup as a starter in waiting. And that means the third stringer needs to be the guy that at least can spell. And right now I don't think they have a guy who can at least spell a starter, whether it's Chubb or Ford getting hurt, the running back position is one where injuries can happen so easily. And so having really only two running backs just doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, right now I think the Browns have two tight ends with Harrison Bryant kind of being that 0.5. That's way different than only having two running backs that you believe you can count on. Ford could be interesting. We just haven't seen anything. And I'm not a guy that's going to project just because I sort of thought he might be okay coming out of college and he looked okay on some couple different kick returns that all of a sudden that is a player that if Nick Chubb gets hurt can step in and take 15 carries a game, which would kind of be the bare minimum. 13 to 15 carries is a bare minimum and Browns fans might have their head explode if their running back only averages 13 to 15 carries a game. I got news for you. Might be some heads exploding. Uh, so hey, as long as there's W's on the other side, we're good, right? Uh, right. Yeah. They, <laughs> you know, that'll uh, hold off the explosion, uh, at least for for the for the time being, until uh, the L's come, and then the then the low touch numbers, and then there will be imploding and and lots of yelling and madness. Uh, that ensues uh, as as usual, per usual, in an uh, NFL season in Cleveland. Uh, all right, where Jared uh, Mueller of uh, Dog uh, Dogs by Nature, producer over at SB Nation, uh, former OBR guy contributor. Man, I've been the I've been. Let's just, let's just be real. I've been the former like everything at this point. Former everything. Dog dog pound daily at fan sided OBR Browns wire lock. I was the original locked on Browns podcast guy. And now at SB nation, I think besides sports illustrated, I think I have, and I did some calves work for them. Yeah. I've literally been a part of every single basic affiliate there is for the Browns. I was trying to remember. I was like, wait, did I work for Jared here or no, that was at the Browns wire. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Where Jared does, uh, Deandre Hopkins end up? You think? Ooh, well, so, um, (laughs) 
my sources have told me the Browns are not out of it. They continue to tell me the Browns are not out of it. Mary Kay, who has better sources than I do at some level, says there's no chance, basically, that they're signing him. Uh, the New England Patriots moves the last couple of days have freed up some cap space that tell me they're trying to line up a bigger deal for Hopkins that maybe he said to them, hey, if you get it to this number, then I will sign with you. But uh, we have seen with players in the past, they, they can say whatever they want until they sign on the dotted line. I think right now Hopkins has no reason not to wait as long as he can for a potential injury, whether that could be Kansas City, Buffalo, you know, one of those kind of places, or even a team that's very not as good, right? But somewhere kind of in that middle, um, Washington would be an example of that. The commanders, you know, they have Terry McLaurin. They've got some other pieces there, but could he say, okay, I want to join Eric Bieniemy if they're going to up their or give them give him an offer? You know, let's just say Curtis Samuel gets hurt. Um, again, I don't wish injury on anybody. We're just kind of talking it through. I think he's going to go to a version of the highest bidder, the highest bidder that is a decent team. And I think that's the bare minimum you can say about the Patriots is that they are decent because beyond that, I'm not sure why he would go there except for the money. Um, what are the Browns? I mean, we heard this lurking rumor, the Browns still lurking. You think, you think they're still have their finger on the pulse of this thing or not? Absolutely. I think what, I think the reality is they would sign him today if he would take, and I, I'm, these are, these numbers are not sourced at all. Five. Um, well, if he would take five to six, the problem for Hopkins is he would love to come reunite with Watson, the payday today is cheap and he knows, I mean, he's smart enough to realize he doesn't have an opportunity to really put up the kind of gaudy numbers for next year to get that 11, 12, $13 million range. You know, the Juju Smith Schuster kind of contract. So he gets neither one of them are kind of a win. Um, and listen, if someone offers me 20, 20 million dollars i'll do almost anything i said almost everybody uh there's no only fans or only souls over here uh and so i'm not gonna like <laughs> be mad at deandre hopkins for taking the extra money he is worth it uh there is some off the or in the locker room kind of concerns uh but the fact that bill o'brien who coached him and deshaun watson who was his quarterback want him tell me those are kind of overblown okay um i've got a question here in chat that's a good question. It is. I heard Jim Schwartz's defense is weak against the zone run scheme from Greg uh, Swanee. Swanee Samsonite. Samson? <laughs> ah, way off, man. Way off. Way off. Uh, do you agree with that, uh, Jared? Uh, so, real quickly, you know, I my cons biggest concern with this roster and I talked about last week is kind of like the linebackers quietly. I am not real. Don't feel great about, you know, with the injuries on top of, you know, Jacob Phillips not being great last year or the year before. And then, you know, not really feeling totally great about Tony fields and like, what is this room? If, you know, if it's not, JOK and a walk all the most of the time, right? Like uh, out there and they're not playing the majority of the snaps. What, what really do they have? Because, you know, my understanding of Schwartz's defense is it actually relies a lot on these linebackers to play the run. Cause you don't have guys to gapping. You have guys trying to disrupt and get increases and get upfield. So you're going to be filling in behind them with linebackers that need to tackle well and a safety probably usually up in the box as well uh, on rundowns, right? Uh, and I could see how this could be problematic. Where are you at with this? Yeah, I mean, it can be problematic. It's one of the reasons I was really intrigued by, and I actually wrote an article about, I have a concern about how they're going to use uh, Siaki Ika, is they talk about him, they want him to be disruptive, and I want him to be, I want him to anchor and take on blocks because yeah. – that's A, what he's best at, but also B, the linebackers are not big. Anthony Walker is not a big linebacker. JOK is not a big linebacker. And while size is not a skill, uh, the reason that the wide nine can have problems against the, against the zone is you're really just opening up these gaps, right? And, and we've watched it with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is you got this zone scheme happening and Jake can do a much better job of, of kind of describing, but you have this yeah. zone happening and they're, they're pushing or pulling, but either way, they're trying to widen out gaps. 
Well, in the wide nine, you've already widened out the gap. The gap is wide already, and now they can widen it out, and they can create those cutback creases almost immediately. And so you have these inside zones, outside zones, and that's where you need those linebackers coming downhill. And in today's day and age in the NFL with RPOs and zone reads and all that stuff, linebackers who are flowing downhill, and that's their kind of initial key, all of a sudden, everything's open on the back end, especially in man-to-man defense. So again, it's there's no perfect defense. The wide nine in the NFL, which is a pass-happy league, is what you kind of want to do. Um, but you could be susceptible to the run. That's why length, Miles Garrett's length. I think Alex Wright is going to have a big role, even if he doesn't have big box score. You're going to need some of that length to really, really pay off. Uh, this year. It's why I'm not sure Jordan, I'm surprised Jordan Elliott basically is guaranteed a roster spot now because uh, he doesn't have that kind of length and size and and girth. Uh, Tommy Togiai probably isn't guaranteed a roster spot for that reason as well. So yes, it can be difficult. It's a great question uh, because again, you're trying to create gaps and the wide nine already widens out a gap already. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how uh, he adjusts to that and he adjusts to the smaller linebackers on the backside of that wide nine speed could be great, but they have to be reading the plays correctly. And when you have speed and, and spread out gaps, those cutback lanes get opened up really quickly. Yeah. So uh, I would agree that that's a uh, very well stated there. And uh, an interesting point made by uh, Greg, great question. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just kind of a concern, just linebacker play in general for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, do you feel the same way about their linebacker? I mean, like, I think JOK is bound to have a really good year, probably a bounce mm-hmm. back year. I feel good about him. You know, I, I worry about AWOC's health. You know, I would feel better if Taki was healthy right now, right? Like from what we saw last year, but like, do we do we have a like realistic time frame on Taki Taki at this point? Um, I don't think we have a realistic time frame. And yes, I'm I'm worried about linebacker, but you have to have some things you're going to be worried about. And if if I had to choose on a defense, I'm going to be okay with being worried about a linebacker about the linebacker spot. Um, because I think you just have to you have to bet on something, and they're going to bet on speed at that position. Um, and I think up front. Just at like, I wouldn't be shocked that there are times where you're looking at five defensive linemen, right? Like I wouldn't like not on a regular basis, but enough that you're like, Ooh, that's kind of interesting. Like miles Garrett is technically a linebacker right now, but he's up at the line of scrimmage. Right. So I think you're going to see some creativity. I just not sure how you find linebackers anymore um, who are big and flow to the ball and you don't have to draft in the first two rounds. There just aren't a lot of them. And so, um, you just kind of got to go with what you got because I'm not sure they missed out on anybody, you know, this year. PFF just wrote that they think they should sign Miles Jack. Sure, if Anthony Walker gets hurt, fine, sign Miles Jack. But right now, he's not coming. He's not playing special teams, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Question here from Russell. Why is he guaranteed a roster spot? His salary is just $4 million. Uh, So he w- wasn't guaranteed any money prior to that, is my understanding, or very little. Uh, so they renegotiated what would be the figure if he did make the roster down to the $4 million, and then he can make it back up in incentives, I believe. But uh, that's kind of – they wouldn't have given him the guaranteed $4 million if he wasn't going to make the roster, right? Like, why would they add guaranteed money on? So they did the same thing with Harrison Bryant, which kind of locked him into a roster spot too. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think it was $4 million. I think I – I'm trying to pull it up. Um, yeah, so he got a signing bonus of 490000 and he's um, guaranteed one point five. So he's guaranteed $1.5 million. You guarantee a $1 million. You guarantee anything – when there was nothing guaranteed, that tells you exactly what they mean, what they're going to do. Jakeem Grant is the opposite of that. Uh, so Grant's contract was taken from guaranteed money or some level of however that was written in to basically none um, so that he has a chance to make some, if that makes sense, uh, the way I said it, probably not. Uh, but it's just it's just one of those things where when that happens, you know it's guaranteed that he's going to make the roster outside of being injured uh, because it is 1.5 guaranteed. 
Yeah, uh, same thing with Harrison Bryant mm -hmm. too, right? So they did the same thing, whatever the figure they made it to, but they took what was a non-guaranteed contract, added some guaranteed money on it and some incentives, which basically, basically locks them into a roster spot. And the fun little dorky thing about it, because I, I love all the little nuances of life, is the reason they had to do that with both of those players is they played so many snaps that they outplayed. Yeah. Uh, they played more snaps than they should have for their draft position. The escalator. So then they, yeah. So they got these PPE or PPP escalator. And then the Browns are like, I don't want to pay you $3 million. So if you make the roster, you're $3 million. How about we do this? If you make, you're going to make the roster, but you're only going to certainly make this. So yeah, it's just a it's a fun little cap fun play. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, I, I wondered this thought when I when that was all going on. I was kind of like, I wonder if the uh, players association is going to have an issue with this because I'm sure that that escalator was something they negotiated for, and then the Browns kind of just worked around it, uh, basically. Right? Well. It's actually, yeah, and what's interesting is the franchise tag was similar years and years ago now. Obviously, I'm the old guy in the group, um, but <laughs> years ago, the the franchise tag was actually a player thing. The players wanted it. The players wanted all that money and top of the salary. They, It's kind of that unintended consequences thing, um, and so they ended up with a, the salary or the franchise tag is now something the team's like. Uh, so I think that, again, it's just when you have smart players or smart teams, they're going to do smart things to get around things. Uh, looking at the defensive tackle room real quickly here before we transition to some other stuff I got to get to here tonight uh, with the mailbag and everything. But Keith mentions this defensive tackle room. Let's talk about let's you know, the big question out there is, is Barry done? Right. Um, and uh, we mentioned, you know, I think the potential spots are really ru running back and defensive tackle are like the main two ones, right? Like at least that seems like the obvious ones. Uh, I do think Togiai is out. I agree with Keith here. I think he is m pretty much the only one I would kind of eliminate now, really. Um, and then I think you've got a pretty good battle on your hands between guys like Hurst and, uh, you know. Um, Tristan Hill, Perion Winfrey. Yeah, you got to. Perion, yep. Yeah, uh, that, that's a, it's a it's a weird, interesting mix there. And I think I would be OK with, you know, with Zedarius ability to move inside and what, you know, it seems like they're going to use Alex right inside some uh, and from what we saw of his few reps that he did play inside last year. I thought they, they were his best reps. Uh, I think that I would be OK if they didn't do anything. But there is, you know, Ionitis and uh, what's his name? Uh, his name is Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris, uh, thank you, sir. Uh, out there still are really the only ones that would move, you know, the needle yeah. at all, uh, or be a direct uh, upgrade, right? And like war or anything. So, what what do you think? Do you think they do anything like that? I don't think they're gonna. I think they're willing to do that. I think uh, Hill and Hurst are kind of wild cards. They play totally different positions. Hill is more of a one tech. Really, was Dallas's best. Um, run defender last year when they let go of him, which was shocking. Um, and then Hurst is more of a three tech. So I think really between the two of them, one of them might stay healthy and that will really decide which direction they may need to go, want to go. Um, I mean, again, I would have, I've been a Jordan Elliott's on the bubble for three years now. So um, I'm pretty confident. I, I thought he shouldn't be on the team a couple years ago. Tommy Togiai, obviously I always love my Buckeyes helmets, right? over there uh, somewhere. There we go. Um, but in the end, you know, I don't think he's good enough for the team. So I think it's just really going to be injuries and health will kind of define which direction they need to go in. It's, yeah, I agree. It's interesting. Uh, I seem there was an interesting quote from Tomlinson about Hurst um, in camp. You know, it was just a little tidbit when I was reading through the transcripts, but about him, you know, being a technician and that he was helping Tomlinson even a little bit in this scheme with some technician stuff. And like, he's played in a scheme similar to this before something. And he would seem to have more experience than some of the other guys at just kind of getting upfield and uh, that he was really helpful in, in camp, which I thought uh, was interesting. 
I do think that Hurst is uh, super talented if he could stay healthy and be and uh, would be like an ideal fourth defensive tackle because you know we know that. Um, and I wrote about it last week on the edge and I'll be writing about it on the interior this weekend. But we know that from, from what he's said and what he's done in the past that Schwartz wants to go eight, nine deep and keep guys fresh all game long on that front. So, yeah. And I think the other thing, we just got to be honest, and this is where my negativity has to kind of get back just a little bit is all of what we know about pretty much all of these defenders that have been on the Browns is under Joe Woods. And Let's just be really honest, whether it's his man and zone coverage and a lot of other things, the read and react stuff, like he made John Johnson unemployable. John Johnson was an amazing pickup two years ago. Amazing. Like everyone was like, that's amazing. That's great. That's great. No one has signed the man. He still is hanging out in Cleveland, right? Like Joe Woods made John Johnson horrible. Like that's crazy. So I think that's the other thing is we just have to kind of see what does the Schwartz factor, a real coach actually mean for some of these players it's a fucking travesty is what it is jared to be honest uh so all right let's uh let's do this real quick i want to do qb lists there's a couple you know sims did his top 40 right and then you know uh pro football networks yesterday (laughs) what in the world what in the world is this uh so deshaun watson slots in at 26 on this uh, Pro Football Network. Now, I don't give a shit if you're using uh, last year or previous play or you're projecting. You can't justify 26 to me. I'm sorry. No, I don't. Yeah. I decided I was not going to be the one to write that or I decided. I asked one of my guys to write it because I knew I would just – Listen, Brock Purdy is co- barely is Brian Hoyer, Cody Kessler. Fine, put him above. Jordan Love has done nothing. Desmond Ritter, they basically Desmond freaking Ritter. Yeah, Desmond Ritter. They ran the football because that's all he could do. Kenny Pickett not only does he have small hands, he just every once in a while had had a couple good drives at the end of games last year. But he wasn't very good. Ryan Tannehill is going to get fired. Jacoby Brissett was fine <laughs> last year, but limited. <laughs> Mac Jones is horrible. Jared Goff, I'm actually surprised how good he's actually played. Yeah. Kyler Murray, what? Like, so again, I always Daniel Jones, because he didn't run the football. Like, what are we doing here? Right. So yeah, make it make sense. I don't, I just don't see the logic in it. But what's interesting is I know some of the guys at PFN. And generally speaking, they're not trying to do crazy things. Not trying to do crazy. Like they're not, <laughs> they're generally not clickbaity and they're not all that stuff. Like I'm looking at this going, oh, that, like, yeah. Show your work. That's exactly. So I'm like, oh, you did not write an article to explain. Right. Yes. So this really was maybe one of the first times. And again, I'm not saying they're perfect. I got people I like and people I know. So that helps sure. Tom Bryan time. But so you just wanted to get some stuff out there. Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson didn't injured and didn't have great years, but you're putting them behind Desmond Ritter and Jordan Love and Brock Purdy and Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett. Like, again, doesn't make any sense. They did this after the office party. Everyone was hammered. Must have been. Yeah, it's this one. Uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to get understand really what's going on there so you know i like sims for the most part i know he's an acquired taste uh not a lot of people some people you know he rubs the wrong way but i i you know i can listen to him he's he can talk you know about 10 minutes about any goddamn thing uh or any goddamn quarterback right like he he does the work so i respect that um and you know so he has watson at nine which is like the only guy in the world who has put him up that high on any of these lists or, you know, and PFF has come in pretty high on a lot of the Browns duos, uh, tight end guards, both made their top duos list. They're ranked pretty high in secondary, of course, offensive line where they were second. So like they have acknowledged the roster stuff, but any place else really around nationally, it's, it's, it's uh high twenties, you know, mid 20s uh high teens uh and i'm cool with that like because i totally think that the best way for this team to come at this season <laughs> is under the radar uh but 
anything that you know just on a on a bigger perspective than just watson uh i can give you that final four i'm sure you've seen it so he has mahomes one uh you know just uh, shocking what yeah well you know, surprisingly, I think he did have, and he did here. He had, uh, he did not have him one last year. Okay. Uh, he had Allen one last year. So he has Mahomes one, Burrow two, Allen three, uh, which is interesting. Uh, Herbert four, Jackson five. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't get that. Um, Trevor Lawrence six, uh, Hertz seven, Rogers eight, Watson nine, Stafford ten. Uh, Jones 11. You can tell by my uh word inflection, there are the ones that are <laughs> you have some thoughts, eh? Stafford 10. Uh, Jones, uh, Daniel Jones at 11, Kirky Cousins at 12, Dak Prescott at 13, Russell Wilson 14, Geno Smith 15, Tannehill 16, Goff 17, Carr 18, Kyler Murray 19. Uh, and Mac Jones coming in, in at 20 and ahead of Tua, Justin Fields, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kenny Pickett all the way down at 25 in case anybody was wondering, uh, <laughs> 26, Brock Purdy, uh, and then you get uh, really down into it. Anybody down there? Jordan Love at 31. Now, we haven't seen him play yet, but I think he's better than that, to be honest. Uh, I guess it's yeah. hard to really just say that without seeing him. But I think he's going to be better than that. Uh, yeah. I think the interesting thing is maybe 10 years ago, and I might be off on the timeline, maybe 10 years ago, Kirk Cousins is a top six, seven quarterback. Dak Prescott, similar. Even Geno Smith. Like, it's really amazing at just how high of a level quarterback play has gotten in the NFL. Right. We we had the time when it was Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. Right. And Brett Favre was kind of coming out. Aaron Rodgers was coming up. But those three kind of led the way. And there just wasn't a lot. Like it was two, three, four kind of guys, maybe five. And then it was kind of everybody else. Right. And so a, a Kirk Cousins, a Dak Prescott's going to be six, seven, you know, somewhere in that range. I think we have just got so much talent in the NFL at the quarterback position that. Like I, I think Deshaun Watson can be a top five quarterback. I would never rank him in there right now. I'm going to say top 15, probably somewhere in that range, uh, given what we saw and what was good, what was bad, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, I think someone, I think a lot of people are so down on him for a variety of reasons. In the end, this is one of the few that I say quarterback wins to some extent when you get to this many seasons in the league have yeah. to mean something, right? And yeah. so when when Lamar Jackson plays, the Baltimore Ravens win 75% of their games, whatever the number is, when he doesn't play, and obviously the injuries are a part of the evaluation, when he doesn't play, they're not very good. So that plays a role to me where I'm okay with him in the top five, six, seven, whatever it is. Jalen Hurts at seven is really interesting uh, given his what he did last year, but he only has – you know, that year and a half, two years of, of really yeah. solid play. Sims is uh, not quick uh, to give Hertz a lot of credit. He much more credits the surroundings, right? So, like, you know, pull Trevor Lawrence and put him in the situation in Philly, right? And where is he right now? Is he better than Hertz? Probably. Sure. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting. Um, what do you think about Stafford at 10? I, I think He's it's 35. hard. Yeah. I think it's hard when you, you have a quarterback who's, you know, you, you talk about Wally Pipping, right? Like yeah. he got injured. And so yes, yeah. injuries play a role, but is he a big arms, good quarterback? Yeah. Did yeah. Sean McVay unlock him along with, you know, Cooper cup and everything else he had going on there? Yeah. So I, I may not put him 10, but he's going to be in the same range as as Watson and Cousins and Prescott for me um, because he has shown that he can do it, and he has the upside, right? He he has the he has the offensive coordinator or head coach that can make him something good, and you just can't separate all that. You can't separate a quarterback from his OC or his play caller and his weapons, right? Take away whoever, and most quarterbacks are bad. Take away a good play caller. Most quarterbacks are bad. So 
um, and this is repetitive of me, if the Browns had drafted Tom Brady instead of Spurgeon Wynn, no one would freaking know who Tom Brady was, and he never would have married Giselle Bunchen. And then because of that, as a NFL person who doesn't know models, I wouldn't know the name Giselle Bunchen. So, you know, there's so many kind of layers to those kind of things. So I'm okay with him in that range. Um, I'm not sure who you're putting above him most, you know, for sure. I can see the conversation, though. I just, I don't, like, I feel like, he kind of had to have everything to be perfect around him a little bit. Uh, I feel he that way. Deserved that after Detroit, though, didn't he? Sure, sure. <laughs> he, yeah, no, he deserves it a hundred percent. To to have that situation, I just don't know if I would put him that high. I guess uh, I, I kind of put him in like a Kirk. I think he's very Kirk Cousiny uh, to me uh, yeah. a little bit. Um, now, here's the question, right? Like. Tua way down there, and I know Chris doesn't really like Tua that much as a quarterback, but uh, I thought Goff, uh, where he is after his performance last year, maybe a little more credit. Tannehill, maybe a little less. Geno Smith, one year, and you got him all the way up there at, what, 15? Right. Uh, Russell at 14. That's a really interesting area there where Chris has them. Does anything jump out to you that you really don't like? You know, I think with Tua, it, specifically Tua, I think you have to put in a totally different category. The ranking is inappropriate for the play on the field, right? So he's not like, and I think the labels are all are really interesting. Crap or get off the pot for Tua is stupid, right? It's stupid yeah. for Justin Fields going into year three. It makes sense for Jimmy. It makes sense for Baker Mayfield. It makes sense for those guys. But for Tua and even for Justin Fields, Fields has looked good. Tua, it literally should have his own category when healthy, right? When healthy, he's top 15, right? Justin Fields, when he has any kind of talent around him, probably is going to rise up the ranks of a pretty significant amount. Um, and so I think all of it, you can look and go, okay, he put all the rookies 36, 37, 38 for no, no apparent reason. Like that's not a valuation. Right. That's just going, I'm going to put you yeah. 36, yeah. 37, 38. Like, that's not evaluating <laughs> quarterbacks. Right. You put them below Mike White and Gardner yeah. Minshew. Like, that's just silly. So, again, I think it's point. just one of those things where you see the bias injury with Tua, um, injury with Kyler Murray, but not injury with Matthew Stafford. Like, again, it, it, make it make sense. And you're just not doing it. Yeah, that is interesting. But he has Anthony Richardson ahead of Stroud and uh, Young, which is yeah. If this is fantasy football, yeah, I'm cool with that for fantasy because he's going to run a lot. Like add the word fantasy up here, and maybe I'm going to really agree with some of these numbers more. Sure. Um, yeah. So the, I kind of mentioned the ones that stick out to me a little off. You know, I the reason I have a problem with Lamar more than anything is not even the injury. It's just like uh, I think the NFL has reached a point where like you have to be able to throw the ball when like defenses know you're going to throw the ball. And I don't know what we're gonna what what that offense. You know, it, Greg Roman gone. Enter like I just said. What that offense is a big question mark, and up to this point, I, I just have never been blown away by Lamar's throwing ability. So I like uh, his throwing ability, but I haven't been blown away by the system. Accuracy. Well, the accuracy for one, but the system just seems so vanilla mm -hmm. that I'm like, oh, I can tell what's going to happen. So anybody but Joe Woods also is going to be able to tell it. Like the route combinations had no sophistication. Um, it didn't have kind of those, those option routes that allowed, you know, players to make decisions on the run, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I just think it's, I think it's interesting. And, um, to talk to sauce main over there. Yeah. If you can't evaluate rookies, don't put them on the friggin' list. Yeah. Uh, right. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, or literally put them at the, the bottom, but like, it just, again, it, it just seems arbitrarily just putting stuff on a list, which is fine. Like that's what we're doing. We're bored right now. There's not anything new going on. It's why Hopkins and cook and cream hunt are half the stories out there right now, because there ain't nothing else going on. Uh, the interesting thing about sauce man's comment is uh, like 
Sauce Main's comment uh, is that, uh, you know, it's not like he he's just evaluating what they've done last year. He's also projecting clearly or else you right. wouldn't have Russell Wilson at 14 or else you right. wouldn't have Deshaun Watson at nine. So he's obviously taking what he's seen, what he knows about the guy and, and then putting some kind of, you know, what he thinks that player is going to be in 2023. So yep. um, there's we're all th- doing things for random reasons at this point in time of the season. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I I always find this stuff interesting because he does a lot of work on it, and I think he's a pretty intelligent guy. He played, you know, he played uh, at the you know lost his spleen and everything. And I like Chris; I think he's funny sometimes. But uh, you know, it's a uh, it's always an interesting list. There's always stuff that you know. It is, out. and I mean, the reality is, is that it's one of the reasons I love national media because it at least gives us perspective outside of kind of Browns fandom. Yeah. Um, and then obviously then you learn, oh, Jason Lacanforna hates the Browns. So we got to take everything he says with a grain of salt. But I love looking at national media rankings, all that stuff, because it just gives us some perspective. Desmond Ritter is 40 in that list. He's 18 in the other list or whatever. So, um, yeah. But I know we got to do some some rapid fire mailbag. Yeah, we got some mailbag. But before that, hang on. Hold on to your hold on to your jockstrap. Uh, all right. Fantasy Ooh. football fanatics join the OBR and the nation's foremost fantasy football experts at the Fantasy Football Expo 2023 in Canton from August 11th to the 13th, the weekend following uh, the Hoff Joe Thomas's induction. So one weekend after uh, the Browns play uh, at the hall of fame in the hall of fame game. And Joe Thomas is inducted, uh, is the fantasy football expo 2023. We will be there. The OBR will be there. The fantasy football expo weekend is filled with everything you'd expect with a bunch of fantasy football enthusiasts, enthusiasts, fans get together for the weekend parties, fantasy drafts, pro football hall of fame, more parties and a ton of fantasy football information from the top fantasy football minds in the country. And yes, as I already said, the OBR will be there in booth 24 in the expo hall on Sunday and wandering around the festivities on Saturday. Interesting in joining us, interested in joining us, pardon me, get more information and tickets at the fantasy football expo.com. It's actually going to be really fun. Hey, my question is that whole party thing where is Barry McBride setting up his beer stand and going to share all his beer wisdom and all of that kind of stuff? Because I'm guessing there's a bunch of people from the water cooler and some of the other spots, ATI yeah. and RC and all that, that might want to join him. Booth 24. Are you allowed to drink at the expo? I don't, that's a great question. I, I don't know, uh, but we will be down there on Saturday and, there's parties everywhere. The village is going to be crazy. So if you are looking for like what we're going to be doing, cause we're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Jake's going to be there. We're all going to be down there. So uh, everybody, uh, Andrew, Mike, everybody that uh, you would want to uh, see Jack won't be there. Unfortunately, he couldn't come on, you know, Jack, get come over, here, over from, it's only from, a 16 hour uh, flight, pal from the, from the Britain. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we will be down there. Yeah, so come uh, come get a drink and uh, see how some fantasy nerds get down uh, on that weekend. Sorry Crazy is how I'm guessing they get down. Sorry if you are a fantasy nerd. Uh, but, uh, yes, I, you know, I don't think they can get down like I can get down, but that's okay. Uh, all right. Let's move to uh, the – Exciting portion of the show. We did a little mailbag today. Oh, well, I wanted to ask you about this first. We have, we have time. We have time. We can squeeze it. Thoughts on this stuff? Uh, so he bet $1,000 on an over or under. He got a year suspension, Isaiah Rogers, and then was released. Where are you at uh, with this? I'm stronger on that. Like, that's fine. You're betting on your own team. You're betting on the NFL. You might have insider information. Like, you just can't allow that. Um, the Tim Don- Donaghy stuff, all that. Like, you can't allow that. The fact that um, the one guy was betting on an AAC game while in his hotel on the road from a literal NFL sponsor. Now you're starting to get into what? 
Like what? It's kind of like in Ohio for years, you couldn't buy wine on Sunday until noon. Like it's such an arbitrary thing that you got, like you could literally bet anywhere else and it'd be okay. You could make that bet anywhere else, but it'd be okay. But the team, the Holiday Inn, they're not saying Holiday Inns, the Holiday Inn is somehow stupid. Like I know it's the rules. I get it. Learn that crap. But the Holiday Inn is somehow sacred. I yeah, it's really uh it's tricky, but it's stupid too. Like uh like that one is way out of bounds, obviously Rogers, and I'm surprised he didn't get a lifetime ban, to be honest with you. Um I, I he's fortunate that he's only Well, I mean miss- they don't have to reinstate him. Correct. Correct. So they I- technically could. He's a really good young player. I think that uh, he'll be fortunate. I mean, somebody would sign him if he gets a shot to come back in the league, that's for sure. But uh, either way, they need to make the rules very clear. And I I find it hard to believe that they haven't made them very clear. But I don't know. There's just a... This whole list hasn't even come out yet. We don't even know. There could be a Browns Browns player on the list. We don't know yet, right? Oh, tell uh, me. Not yeah, it time. feels like terms of service. Like they they were told not to bet on their own team and don't bet, and they started like zoning out on it. Like, oh, okay, in the team facility while you're practicing. Oh, but you know, didn't pay attention to the to the fact that it was also you know at a away hotel room. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to take. Now, uh, who was that? Was that Jameson? Who was that? Yeah, Jamo. Yep. Yeah. So what? How, what's his suspension? I forget. Six games because it wasn't on the NFL. Yeah, it's a that's a hefty fine, a hefty suspension for that uh, infraction. So maybe he should appeal that. Did he appeal it already? I don't even know if you can because uh, it's not discipline. Like it's a very clear. Yeah. This is what it is, kind of thing. Huh. All right. Thanks for entering your mailbag stuff today. I would just like to announce that. uh, So I've gathered these questions from a couple places, but only one person in a contest where you could win a free T-shirt actually emailed the the email address with the question. So Keith Nash in the chat right now. Congratulations. You won a T-shirt. I already emailed you. Send me your size and your address. We will be sending you uh, some all eyes on Cleveland swag. So, uh, Keith, you are the best, brother. So, best day of his life. It's what I'm talking about. I feel bad for you, Keith. Sorry. Gotta <laughs> say. No, Keith is the best, man. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> all, right. all right. Here's this question. Uh, lucky bastard. Uh, well, hey, you guys, you know, I caught everybody sleeping, I guess. He's the only one that followed the proper instructions on the... uh, I feel good giving it to Keith. That's okay. We all assume, as Browns fans, that the offense will change more 11 personnel. Question is, can you see the Browns using some 10 personnel with Cooper Moore, DPJ, and Goodwin at wide receiver and with Chubb or Ford at running back? Um, Yes. Um, I also think you're gonna, I mean, I think in the end, you're going to see a lot of really creative stuff. Um, I think Stefanski's going to want to have a tight end on the field pretty regularly. And he likes the two that he has, but I also think there are going to be times you're not going to see a running back on the field and you're going to see Elijah Moore in a souped up version of Jarvis Landry running back, right? Like you're going to see a version of that. So there are going to be times where you're not going to see a running back on the field. Uh, and you might see four receivers one tight end and the receiver is in the backfield and David and Joku is split wide with two receivers inside of him. So I think you're going to see a lot of creativity this year. Um, yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of creativity. Yeah, I do too. I, the 10 personnel itself is not used a ton in the NFL, right? Like it's not, it's a very low percentage frequency personnel grouping. However, to your point, I think more out of the backfield spread five wide with Njoku on the field, I think is probably more of like what you would see no running back on the field. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like you yeah. just look at those names, you're like DPJ's deep. Goodwin is going to be a slot deep. 
Cooper doing anything and everything, Moore doing anything and everything, Njoku or Chubb or whatever. Like, it's a lot of fun to think of. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, uh, very, very interesting and a good question. And uh, it's something that, that we are all really kind of in the dark a little bit on. But, you know, we've seen glimpses in OTAs and minicamp, and we'll continue to see more and kind of piece it together. But I do think it is going to be creative and fun. All right. Who are the top wide receivers in order this year? One, two, three, and how many go over 1,000 yards? So I think the question here is asking, how will they finish, Jared, in your opinion, uh, one, two, three in yardage? Sorry, I started thinking all of NFL. And I was like, I'm going to – my brain will melt if I try to figure that out. Um, yeah, no, 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 Brown, just, uh, just brownies. Yeah, I think – so I think it'll be interesting. In yards, I think it'll go as we kind of expect – Cooper, DPJ, and more. I think in receptions, it's going to be Cooper, more. Yeah, Chubb or Njoku, and then maybe DPJ. I think they're going to use uh, People's Jones on a, a variety of of routes. I think only one. I think Cooper is maybe uh, People's Jones gets there, but I think Cooper's the only one. Over a thousand, he might end up in that 1500, 1400 yard range, and then a lot of yardage to everybody else. So, like, I totally agree with Bradley Bruns here that uh, Moore is going to be second in yardage this year. I just, uh, I know that's trendy, but I just think uh, he gets close to a thousand um, and maybe bre- breaches that barrier. Uh, where are you at? Anybody, you, any chance two guys go over a thousand this year? I think so. I mean, I think they almost did last year, right? So, yeah, I think it's very – it's possible. I just think Watson, and, and as I've watched him play, he doesn't get really too hung up on one receiver. And so I think yeah. there's just going to be a versatility there um, and an ability to really spread the ball around, keep people fresh, all of that. Because, again, the Browns really do need to think long-term. I think you're going to see a few less snaps for Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, all of that. Um, I think that's one of the reasons they're going to throw the ball to him. Uh, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think Moore could have the most receptions. That would not shock me. I'm just not sure he's going to be put in a position. He'll have a deep ball, one a game, maybe two a game. Um, but I don't think they're going to use him as much there, only because that's really what you want Goodwin. And Peebles-Jones is just not – he's so high-waisted that he's just not a change-of-direction guy as well. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I just, you know – think of more as just getting open at a high frequency. Right. And uh, so I could see a connection developing there very fast. Although uh, the good one, you know, looks very sharp for his age as well. Uh, uh, Here is uh, yeah. I I started your question earlier, Bradley. We'll hit it real quickly here. Do you think that the Browns signed Sue in training camp? I don't. I mean, I just don't see Sue always wants money, right? Like, and so he, he holds out for money or like, we're going to probably win a championship. And I'm not sure. um, I don't know. I I just, I'm not sure at 30, whatever he is, six, seven, eight. um, I'm just not sure he's got a lot left at this point in time. He's a fun name though. There's a connection with uh, the guy they hired to be consultant. Um. He's a Schwartz guy, used to be his defensive line coach years ago. Okay. He's an older guy, but they brought him in to be a consultant, and I guess he's coached Sue at like two or three stops. And So, there was so maybe. That's good yeah. new information. I can't remember everything, so good. Good info. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, biggest good surprise and biggest bad surprise on the Browns <laughs> roster. <laughs> Um, good surprise. Grant Delpit is a top 10 safety in the NFL. Bad surprise. Dalvin Tomlinson was a significant overpay. Ugh. I don't like that second one. I know. Right. <laughs> That'll suck. I mean, again, but I said overpay, right? doesn't mean he's bad, but he's a significant overpay. Like I, I don't see a player. I see a good defensive tackle. I don't see a great defensive tackle, but theory of relativity compared to what they we've seen in Cleveland the last few years, Tomlinson might look great. I just don't know if he is great. It's interesting. Uh, that will be something I will keep my eyes on. Yeah, I, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I guess good surprise. 
it's kind of, I mean, uh, whew, there's a, the, all the good surprises feel like, uh, not really surprises anymore. Um, even Delpit, I, I've kind of, I think that a, a really good surprise will be actually, um, uh, what's his face? I'm searching for him right now. Uh, da, 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 Rodney McLeod as a oh. really good surprise. I think yeah. he, I think he gets on the field a ton more than we think, uh, and in a steady rotation at safety because uh, he's just going to be like Schwartz's guy. It feels like, and I feel like he's going to be on the field a lot. Yep, we're gonna have a dog join us. Hey, naughty oh, dog. Hey, Dad. Hey, what? you can't sit on my head, though, kid. He should have <laughs> posed for the uh, dog uh, contest and had somebody draw him. Yeah, just too cute to be anything menacing. So uh, she she loves her attention, and she just heard a firework, and she wanted to make sure I was okay. So sorry, y'all. Dottie had to make her debut on uh, the OBR. Uh, fumble replying to Dottie. What is up, Dottie? Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland and the OBR. Dottie, uh, with a very special appearance. Dog is in the house. All right, Tomlinson just uh, needs to be adequate, and he could be a good surprise. Anything is better than last year's defense line. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not uh, fumbling that one. Yes, uh... Well, that was terrible. Uh, terrible. Terrible joke, Jared. Good surprise. Watson is back to the top four quarterback play. Bad. He gets injured and see. Oh, we'll call it. Whoa. 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 Bye, Bradley. Brad. <laughs> what What are we doing here? What are you trying to do? Uh, that's a terrible jinx. Uh, well, all right. But let's. I'm going to be really honest with you. I, at yeah. this level. I have, I never am surprised by injuries, right? It's NFL football. It's violent. It's difficult. These players are stronger, faster, bigger than they ever have been. I am never surprised by injuries. I would never put an injury down as a surprise. Like I wasn't surprised Joe Thomas got injured. I hate to say it that way, but I wasn't. I was like, okay. I mean, I guess that makes sense. He plays, right? So injury should never be a surprise. It's why I rarely talk about them unless somebody has an injury history, then you can talk about it. But otherwise, I mean, Watson getting injured would be as surprising as pretty much anybody else getting injured. All right. Quick fire, quick yep. fire follow-up question. DTR or Dobbs is the backup. Uh, if he gets hurt, uh, Dobbs. Good call. Hate the DTR. Nobody likes Jedrick Wills. This is fun. Biggest surprise. Jedrick Wills won't take plays off. I love that. Keith. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, all right. What? Uh, the man, the myth, the conundrum, Jedrick Wills. Uh, you don't, uh, okay, yeah, so this, I found this one, uh, it was directed at me after Ooh. my Things I Think I Know article, so uh, you don't think Stefanski and Barry are a package deal anymore, which is something I wrote in Things I Think I Know on Sunday, uh, and uh, I said, so how long is Barry's leash? So the reason I wrote this is that, uh, in my opinion, uh, Jerry, yeah, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, and then we can wrap this thing up because we are uh, touching over an hour here, and Dottie is clearly needing your attention. So <laughs> we, uh, but uh, the reason I wrote this is because I felt that they were a package deal up to a certain point, but Barry is thought of so highly in NFL circles right now that I just feel like. Uh, the Haslam's realize that and um, this change in offense gives them a narrative where they can place blame squarely on Stefanski and not Barry if they want to. So if they want to say, yes, let's go forward with a new coach, like say it fails this year mm -hmm. and, and uh, it was X, whatever reasons. Right. And they say they, like, cause I don't think they're going to get a better GM than Barry. And I think they don't think they can find a better GM than Barry. Cause if he's not successful here, he's going to go be successful someplace else. And I think that they, if they are plugged in enough to listen to people around the NFL, they will hear that back 
from the NFL, from the, from the people in the NFL, because they think very, very highly of Barry. Yep. So if they are listening, then they will be. And, and the same thing goes for Stefanski. It's just easier to dismiss of Stefanski, blame it on coaching, because you can't blame it on Watson and you can't blame it, you know, and then move forward with Barry and Watson and another hired coach. And I think that the Haslam's could do that at this point where a couple of years ago, I didn't think that was possible. Yeah. I think what you're really saying is Barry has proven himself. Right. And so yeah. at some level, because Barry has proven himself, they are still in lockstep. Stefanski and Barry yes. basically agree on almost everything or get to an agreement on everything. But what you're really saying is from a Haslam perspective, Barry has kind of raised his profile. And so, yeah, they're, they're still in lockstep. They're still a unit, all of that. Barry would push very, very hard against uh, firing Stefanski. And then yes. it, I'd be really interesting how much he would, how much power he'd have over the next hire. Um, because the reality is, is that he would then know his job. Uh, like Fumble said, his job is kind of connected to, to the next coach because of how kind of Haslam works. And so I think it's just really interesting. I don't think Barry would want to fire Stefanski and I'm not sure how much power he would have to hire the next coach. So his contract, they, they have matching contracts. I've heard rumors of extensions, um, rumors of extensions for both um, at time, whether, whether those are pending or could be happening if the season starts. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. Let's just say they get to their week six, seven, eight, maybe even the bye week, which is early. If they have a winning record at that point in time, I would not be shocked if you hear, of the extensions or talks of the extension. So I don't sure. think, I just don't think Stefanski's on the hot seat to be very blunt with you. I hope not. Uh, Cause I feel strongly I'm in Stefanski's corner as well. I just think that I think this narrative that is developed about the offense, right. And the amount of pressure that is on the offense could lend itself to an like optics for optics reasons sure. and out for the Haslam's, but not having to get rid of Barry. And, yeah. And, and yeah. trying to bet on the Haslam's and what they're logically going to do is Different. like betting on Ohio weather. Right. So I yeah. think you're smart in, in the way you've kind of framed it around the Haslam's making a decision around optics versus a good idea to fire or a good idea to keep kind of thing. Yeah, and it's not necessarily what I would do, but I do think it has allowed them that uh, outcome. Whereas it's at one point, I kind of think uh, maybe like a year and a half ago, it was kind of like either they were both going to stay or they both going to go. And and right after the Watson decision, I felt it was that way. But yeah. now a year later, I feel like there's kind of an avenue that's opened up where um, he's just, he's just thought of so highly. I feel like they would may be making a critical mistake. And I think that they're, I would hope that they are smart enough or have smart enough people telling them what to do <laughs> and not do that. Right. Uh, so we, we shall see Uh big question here from Bradley. Who would be, I, I don't even know who's the candidate. I mean, there's so many firings every year. I don't know who would be available as far as the top candidate uh, to fire, to replace Stefanski. Do you know who Barry would want uh, anybody on the market now? Uh, somebody from Philadelphia. That's the yeah. best guess I have. Honestly, wouldn't shock me. Here's here. Hey, Browns fans. Ben Johnson. If, if not, yeah, Ben Johnson would be an option. You know who it is? The Chargers coach. Can't think no. of his name right now off the top of my head. No. Yeah, he would be, it'd be the Chargers coach because they're going to fire him next year, probably. And if they fired Savansky next year and he got fired, someone please tell me who the Chargers coach's name is because I can't think of it. Um, or I have to Google it. Um, it's escaping me now, too. He's an, he's a, he's an Ohio boy, too. Brandon Staley. Um, that's who it is. Like, no. Bluntly, I'm going I'm to give you – I would give yeah. odds that it would be Brandon Staley because I think he'd get fired next year if they don't have a good season. Savansky gets fired. It's Brandon Staley. How about you all? You gonna want Stefanski now? Yeah, please. That's that's do Staley or keep Stefanski. Keep Stefanski one thousand times over. I hate Staley <laughs> as a head coach for that. 
So, please. so good. We found a way to get people to like Stefanski. Tell them what their other option is. There you go. Uh, Jared, uh, you have been a gentleman and a scholar as usual, hanging with me well over, well, not well over nine minutes over an hour. It's time to take daddy outside. Thanks for coming on the show. Daddy Jared. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Jared Mueller, the producer, uh, over at, uh, dogs by nature at SB nation. Uh, Jared long time. Uh, used to be my boss, friend, colleague. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, all eyes on Cleveland and, of course, the OBR. Absolutely, brother. You take care of yourself. All right. You too, brother. That was the great Jared Mueller spending some valuable time with us here tonight uh, uh, on the show. Uh, did I miss any questions? Congratulations, Keith, on the T-shirt that you will be receiving, uh, sir. Uh, I did send you an email, so send over your size. And uh, uh, how about Schwartz? Say, yeah, it's an interesting thought, right? Uh, I, I don't think he's up for that again. I don't think. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think that in the AFC, I find it hard to have a defensive head coach. I just do. I know I don't really, I, I, I feel like it's almost shifted that you have to have like, so what's going to happen is and I've talked about this before a little bit. What's going to happen is anytime you have, you think that you found your offensive genius and your offensive play calling guy, right? Unless he's your head coach, He's going to get poached to be somebody else's head coach every single fucking time. Uh, ben Johnson, you guys mentioned he's going to, you know, uh, look at what happens every time an offensive coordinator is good and it is successful. They get poached to become a head coach. Uh, Brian Dable is finding success in New York after and now Buffalo struggling with their offense and things like that. So the way you sustain that is what, the Browns have done and be the poacher of someone like Stefanski and make that your head coach. I think that that model in the NFL more and more is the only way to do it because that's the only way to truly have continuity year in year out. So uh, that's my thought on OCs and head coaches. Uh, moving forward and why I, I don't really want to move off Stefanski if at, if at all possible. So. Hey, thanks guys. Uh, Bradley, Keith, Fumble, uh, everybody in the chat. Uh, you guys are the best every time. Red Leader, uh, Russell, Chat, Surge, everybody. Uh, uh, Kevin, thanks for uh, Charlie, all of you. Thank you for stopping by. All eyes on Cleveland. Make sure you smash the like button uh hit uh subscribe tell a friend keep coming back it's the browns dog days of the off season we'll be back next week all eyes on cleveland uh blue wire podcast in the obr my name is brad ward we are out